I'm really excited to be chatting with you about money monsters. Woo! It's October. We've got to have something spooky, right? What really scares people is talking about money in church. <laughs> and so we're going to go through four money monsters, and they look cute up there, but they're not cute when they're in your life. And so we're going to be taking four weeks and learning how to do the monster mash. Because we need to take these money monsters and we just need to give them the boot out of our life. Because money will mess with you. Won't it? Who's had money mess with them before? Money can mess you up. Money, on the other side of it, can be a tool. A really great one. Not like money's a tool, like derogatory, but a tool that you use like a hammer. The question is, what do we let money be in our life? Do we let money be a monster that controls us? Or do we take money and allow it to be a tool that we get to use for Jesus' purposes? And if that money in your life is a monster, we've got to figure out how to slay that monster. So we're going to have four weeks, and we're going to talk about some fun stuff. For me, not for you. No. <laughs> this week, we're talking about greed, right? Then we're going to talk about, and this is, uh, this is Harvey's favorite, consumerism. i got to pick on you. You shouldn't sit so close to the front. Then, what's another money monster? Impatience. Impatience will mess you up. And lastly, and the biggest, and the most fun, so I didn't let Craig preach it, comfort is a money monster that will destroy your life. doesn't sound like one, but trust me, it is. So this week we're talking about greed, the money monster that is greed. Because greed is waiting, it's hiding in the closet, it's hiding under the bed. Were you, when you were a kid, wouldn't you be like scared to hang your hand on the side of the bed because that monster might just grab it? Greed is like that. And greed is lurking and waiting to mess you up. This is one of those sermons where sometimes I'm looking at something and I'm like, man, I, just, I really got to dig deep and find a passage of Scripture that really applies in this situation, in this circumstance. With greed, it's not difficult. In fact, there is way more in the Bible on greed than I could possibly get through in the next two hours of this message. Thank you. I love the pity laughs. But I settled on a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Colossae. Uh, Colossians is the name of the book. And so Paul, who was one of the early leaders of the church, is writing to a church, and he's talking about a number of different things. But here, money comes up among a couple of other things. But he says this, he says, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, 
Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You're like, man, we just got done with lamentations. You're bringing up the wrath of God again? <sighs> greed. So we have a couple of, like, we go through, he's saying, hey, set your eyes on things above. Set your eyes on things above. You're dead and you died and your life is now in Christ. Then put to death things that belong to that old life. And he has a bunch of them. Today we're going to focus on this greed, which is idolatry. We're going to say, how do we slay the greed monster? Maybe he's under your bed. Maybe he's in the closet. Maybe he's going to spring out at us from the ceiling. I don't know. You know, it's like I had the kids out before I said that. (laughs) If the kids were still in here, the parents would not be thanking me. My wife would not be thanking me. Nightmares are real, and they wake you up at night. Um, But how do we slay the greed monster? I think the first thing we do is we look at this first part of the passage and we say, you know what? We need to be fixing our eyes upward. Fixing our eyes upward. Slaying the greed monster starts with a change, not just in position, or I'm going to try to like dodge it like it's a ninja, but it's by saying, hey, what, what do I need to be focusing on to keep my heart where my heart needs to be? Because all four of the money monsters are trying to get us what I'm going to call ninja style. Yeah, ninjas. Anyone here have a ninja outfit they could wear to church next week? Anyone? One of my kids does. I'll have him lurking somewhere. Uh, But here's what happens. When our focus gets off, when instead of being fixed upward, we get distracted and we start looking around, then these money monsters, they sneak up and they stab us. They're like, ha I got him now. His focus is off. I'm going to just, and they take us out. So Paul is telling us, as he's going to get into all these different things that we've got to put to death, he starts with realigning the focus of the people he's talking to. He's going to tell them, hey, you've got to put to death greed. It's because it's going to mess you up. Before that, he's saying, hey, set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Fix your focus so that you can have the right heart and you can have the right goals and you can be going in the right direction. Because if your focus isn't on Jesus and the kingdom of God and all the things that he's called us to be doing on his mission, if our focus isn't on that, then we're going to be vulnerable to all these different evil things that want to mess us up. Because I want you to understand, we're talking about money, which is a physical thing, right? Well, not really anymore. Now it's a debit card. But, you know, Fran's million-dollar bill. She didn't drop in the offering. Physical thing. We think money, sometimes it's very easy to think of it, the physicality of money. This is a physical thing. But what we're really talking about here is a spiritual issue that involves us changing our focus and putting it onto Jesus 
Because we're not dealing with just a physical problem of greed or the physical problems of money, but we're really dealing with spiritual things and spiritual problems. Say it with me. This is a spiritual issue. This is a spiritual issue. All four weeks, we've got to get. This is a spiritual issue we are addressing. The money monsters are spiritual monsters. Well, that's terrifying. But it's a spiritual issue. And so when I say fix your eyes upward, which is kind of literal, right? Really what I'm talking about is what Paul's talking about here, which we need to fix our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our souls, whatever you, however you want to say it, all of it needs to be fixed on Jesus. Because the second we get distracted, that's when the monsters attack. Money is always a heart issue. So if you're struggling with any of these money monsters, maybe you struggle with greed. Maybe you struggle, which greed can be more than money, by the way. We can be greedy about a lot of things. Maybe you struggle with consumerism. Or you struggle with impatience. Or you just want all the cool stuff to make you comfortable. Like you had the 85-inch LCD TV and you went to Costco and there's an 86-inch LCD TV. And you're like, that's going to make me happy. There is, by the way. I want it. There's some of my spiritual struggles, right? Oh. The curb screen TVs? Oh, hallelujah. I could watch a lot of sermons on that. Greed, consumerism, impatience, comfort, it's all a heart issue. It's all here. And it doesn't, it, it, we have to take the physicality aside and realize that what I'm dealing with here is spiritual things, things that are sin, things that are trying to kill me. And I've got to deal with that. I've got to get my focus right. If I don't get my focus right, it's going to get me. Jesus said this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a profound little statement. I like the word order of it. Because sometimes in our head we flip this. And we think, you know what? Where my heart is, there my treasure is going to be. That's not how Jesus said it. He actually reversed it in a way that says, hey, this is how you get your focus right. We need to be focused on Jesus. And so Jesus tells us, hey, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we need to fix our eyes upward, if we need to set our hearts on things above, set our minds on things above, Jesus actually gives us a really interesting instruction here, which is, hey, maybe you should look at what you're doing with your treasure. Because where you're putting your treasure that's where your heart's going to be. So if all my treasure is in the 86-inch TV, I don't have an 85-inch TV. I wish I did. All my, all my treasure is like, I got to get from this 55-inch terrible TV to the 86-inch curved screen TV. My heart's going to be there. If instead I say, mm, wait a minute, I'm a part of Element Church, and at Element Church, we believe much of what we're given is to give away. And I take my treasure, and I, that's how I use it. 
well, then my heart is going to follow where I put my treasure. And that can be, and money's the easiest one to go there, but it's also anything that, that is valuable to you. That might be, for some of you, your time. Where my time goes, it's one of my treasures. I've given a gift of time. I only have so much of it. Every second that ticks off is gone forever. Fun economics word, opportunity cost. It has a lot to do with how you spend your time and energy because that is the opportunity that you've spent to, to accomplish that. So where I put my time, there my heart is also. That's one of my treasures. You want to fix your focus, move your treasure. Fix your eyes upward. And focus on what Jesus wants you to do. Because once you start doing it, you're going to find that your heart begins to shift away from greed and it all being about me and what my stuff and the things I can get to, wow, it really is better to give than to receive. Apostle Paul, that's one of the fun quotes in the Bible, because the Apostle Paul's quoting Jesus, and you, it's not in any of the Gospels. <laughs> Paul's quoting something that didn't make it into the Gospels, but Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. And once you move your treasure, whatever that looks like in that direction, you start doing it and living it, you realize, shockingly, that Jesus is right. Isn't it funny how many times we're like, oh, no, I'm going to do it my way, do it my way, and it sucks. And then we finally surrender and we do it Jesus' way. And you're like, wow, this, this is what? He was talking about when he said it's better to give than receive. So he talks about, he said, you're going to be born again and experience new life and better life. Go figure, Jesus is usually right. So we have to first fix our eyes upward. We've got to fix our focus and our perspective so that we're focused on the right things. And then, the real trick with the money monsters, don't leave it wounded, kill it. Now the chief won't give me a gun. I keep trying. For some reason he thinks because I've never used one before and uh, I shouldn't just have one. I have a horrible story to tell you. It's awful. If you're sensitive about small woodland creatures dying, you may want to put your fingers in your ears and say la 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 for a little bit. My old dog, Valentine, German Shepherd, was always chasing squirrels. She loved chasing squirrels. She never really would catch them. She wasn't good at it. But then one day, one horrible day, she got one. And I'm in the backyard, and I see her. She gets it. You know that death shake that dogs do? Again, if you're sensitive about animals, you need to plug your ears. I've warned you, did it that one death shake. And I go, Valentine, no! Because I'm a softie. Like, I don't want my kids to kill a caterpillar. Like, and she drops it, and I get her in, and I realize that I should have let her kill it. Because I come up, and I'm trying to help this poor squirrel, and it's not in good condition. And it's just got one arm, and it's crawling, and it makes it up to a tree in my backyard that has a hole in it. And it climbs inside. And then it's trying to climb up the inside of this tree. But it's like a really, really bad Looney Tunes comic from the 50s 
and it's just sliding down because it can't lift itself up. I should have let her kill it because it did not have a, a great end of life. Paul has the same idea here when we're talking about greed. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put it to death. Because if you wound it, it's not going to end well for you. You just wound it. He, he doesn't tell us to, hey, you know what? Kind of, every now and then, just kind of give it a punch to the face and make your greed a little less greedy and knock it back a little bit. Now he says, put it to death, therefore. Because you're fixing your eyes and your hearts on things above, because you're going to be raised in Jesus into new life, all this old stuff needs to die. Not wounded, not in retreat, dead. And sometimes, now I know none of you would do this, but sometimes, and this is true with any sort of issue in our life where that Jesus is trying to deal with in us, anything that's, that, that we're dealing with, we try to play games with sin. And just be like, oh, well, just a little bit isn't going to hurt. I'm guilty of this. So if you are too, you don't have to feel bad. You're in good company. But Paul tells us, put it to death before it puts you to death. He's giving you a warning. And, and this, of course, ties back into the idea of like baptism, right? Baptism, where we go into the water. The symbology there is where we're dying to ourself and we're coming out in new life in Christ. We have to put our sin to death before it puts us to death. Because Paul, in another letter, he tells us, he just, he just straight, up, straight up says, the wages of sin are death. I think that's a good conversation. If we're talking about greed, we're talking about money. You know, sometimes we think about the wages we're going to get. You know, every other Friday I get wages because I work. And some of you, you're like, oh yeah, I know how that works. You know, maybe you're paid weekly or monthly, but you go, you put in your hours, and you, and you get your wages. Well, Paul is warning us here that when we play around with, with greed or any of the other things that he's talking about, we play around with them. They're going to kill us. They're going to mess us up. They're going to keep us from the life that Jesus has for us the empowered by his spirit life on his mission that he wants for each one of you, you will kill it if you don't put your greed to death. Proverbs 15.27, I love Proverbs. It says, The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. That sounds a little bit like death, right? The greedy will bring ruin to their house. Does that sound like the kingdom of God life that Jesus wants for you? It doesn't. When we hear Jesus say things like, hey, by the way, in the kingdom of God, you're going to be able to 
pray for people and they'll get better. That's a pretty cool life. Or when Paul talks about it and he says, by the way, you know you? You, 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 you? You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. The greedy bring ruin to their households. If your household is in ruin because of greed, that's, that's not what Jesus has for you. I think this principle really applies, and I'm sad that Tim's not upstairs right now. Who here likes video games? There's a few of us. You can be honest. It's okay. I, yeah, I'm up here. Any video game you play where there is a boss and you just wound it and it gets away, that boss is going to come back stronger. Guaranteed. That boss is going to come back and he's going to be bigger and badder and there's going to be bi bigger music. This is going to try to get you. You got to kill the boss. Each of these money monsters, but especially greed, you got to put it to death. And here's why. Because really, this is a game of find the hidden idol. There's one hidden in the church. No, there's not. <laughs> Look under your seat. You get an idol and you get an idol. No. Uh, also, like, I wrote this, like, Survivor popped in my head. I don't know if you guys are Survivor fans, but I'm like, bring your torch, the tribe has spoken. Because um, this is a spiritual issue. Greed isn't just greed. Here's what Paul says. He says, greed, which is idolatry. If you don't know what idolatry is, idolatry is any time we worship something other than God. And boy, can we do that with money and treasure and stuff, right? Oh, many of you may know that recently, this is tragic, I had to trade in my 2011 GTI Autobahn edition for a minivan. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Dan. It had an S. You know what S means? Sport. It was fast. It was a car where I could have used the badge to get me out of a ticket. No one's going to ticket me in a white minivan. That car could be an idol. What if I decided that having a car that was really fast and fun to drive was more important than my family? That's, that's idolatry. It's, it's saying, instead of following the way of Jesus, I'm going to follow the way of me, the things that make me happy. The gospel is about us being free, about really experiencing freedom and new life in Christ, being broken free of all the things that in our sin have held us down and tried to ruin us and kill us. And Jesus offers us new life and freedom. And if you have greed in your heart, and greed is personified in your actions, then you are actually chained to an idol. Because whatever that thing you're greedy about is something that you're worshiping more than Jesus. It's more important to you than Jesus. You are saying, instead of trusting and worshiping in Jesus, I choose to trust in the worship of money. 
What hidden idol is causing your greed? Because it can be different for each person. I wish I could be up here and be like, never greedy. So I'm telling you guys how I, how I completely got free of this in my life. There's still a day where I have to wake up and kill that monster. The monster that says, I'd rather have something for me than to give something away. And of course, all these things have to be taken in some kind of moderation. I'm not saying that we all have to take a vow of poverty and have nothing. In fact, I love that in Jesus, when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, one of those things in there is, hey, by the way, God, give us today our daily bread. It's okay to say, Jesus, there's some things I need money for. And sometimes even, it's okay to have some fun with it. I don't think there's anything in the Bible that says we can't do that. But I do think that if our heart before God is, hey God, first off, listen to these words, give us today our daily bread. Give me today my daily bread. You take your focus off yourself, you're putting it on God. You're saying, by the way, this is yours. Give me today what I need. Because one of the ways we end up greedy is when we take ownership of our stuff. And we say that it's mine. And that's an idol. Because as it turns out, in the kingdom of God, Jesus is king. He's in charge. That means everything we have, if we say, Jesus, you are Lord, that's a kingship word. Jesus, you are Lord, you are God, you are Savior, you are in charge, you are king. It means all your stuff doesn't belong to you anymore. It all belongs to Jesus. And then we are responsible to be responsible and using it for him. And so when we're greedy and we're trying to hold on to all this stuff, here's what makes this even worse. You're actually being greedy with Jesus' stuff. Ouch! It, you know, I feel bad when I'm greedy with my stuff. But how much worse is it when we're greedy with someone else's stuff? Maybe you've got kids. And I hate that it's so easy to make your kids a sermon illustration. I've wondered a lot about that this year. But when my kids are greedy with a toy that's not even theirs, I'm like, come on. That's not even, that's your sister's. You don't get to just take it. But how often do we do that with, with the stuff that Jesus lets us steward and use? What hidden idol is causing your greed? Is it doubt? You doubt that Jesus will actually give you today this daily bread? Isn't that right? Close enough. We don't think that God's actually going to take care of us, so we try to hoard things just in case God fails us. Maybe it's fear along those same lines. Some people are greedy because they're trying to accumulate power. If I have all this stuff, then I'm going to be able to control everything around me. What makes us greedy? I want to end with a quote from 1 Peter. Peter's another one of the leaders of the early church. He was the one that, if you read the Gospels and you read the book of Acts, Peter's real great at putting his foot in his mouth. Uh, he tends to just spout off the first thing that comes to mind. 
I'm a lot like Peter. But Peter's pretty blunt. And he says this. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. If I could tell you one thing today with greed and the idolatry that comes from greed is, man, you've spent enough time in the past messing with this. You have spent enough time with it with something that is actually killing you and keeping you from everything that God has for you. So freaking kill it. Don't wound it. Kill it. Find it. Figure out what that idol is. You kill it and you fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when you slay this first monster, you're going to find that God has more for your life than you ever possibly thought. And that it's bigger and it's better than you could have imagined. Would you pray with me?